You know, but in this season, normally we wait until December to talk about year-end giving, but we want to this first Sunday in October in the final quarter of our calendar year to invite all of us to consider this season of giving that God would give through us. Now, we've got a financial goal as a church to give roughly the same amount that we gave last year. And so over the course of the next three months, our goal is that we as a church collectively would give $2.06 million towards the work that God is doing in and through this church. Now, some of you are like, it's a big number. Yes, that's what we gave last year. We gave $2.03 million last year during that season. And every single week, you're going to see a slide of how we're doing against that goal. And so my prayer for you is that you would lean in in this season and you begin to pray even beyond the financial goal that we have, and this is perhaps the most significant, that you would pray, God, would you stir in me in such a way that I see my life as an instrument, an empty vessel on which you can give through me? Now, some of you are going to give your time and service on this campus, as Pastor Kim shared, you know, just, just once. Some of you are going to perhaps sign up in this season to be part of our greeting team or our kids and students ministry. Some of you are going to give of yourselves in terms of mentoring relationships in the context of this church family. But would you begin to pray how God might give through you to your coworkers, your neighbors, your roommates, your family, your friends, that you would give your presence, that you would give Christ's love, that you would give the peace of Christ, that you would give forgiveness, you would give mercy, and the theme of today, that you would give healing in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm about to preach on Acts uh, chapter 3, but before I do so, i got to tell you, I had this, you know, I've, I've never had this before on this topic, um, but all week long, I've just had the sense that God is going to heal some people in our services today. Now, you've never heard me say that before, right? I've been here for five years, like I've never, and if you're guests, you're like, who is this guy? I'm trying to figure out, like, what does this church believe? I, I've never said from the pulpit, I, I truly have experienced this week, and I, and I feel like in my times of prayer and studying Acts chapter 3, I've gotten this sense, and, and I truly believe it's the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit wants to heal some people here in our services and on this campus today. And the reason why I believe it's the Holy Spirit with such confidence is because a number of elders have actually reached out to me, and they've said, during my prayer time, I feel like the Holy Spirit is going to heal some people in the service today. And so we began to pray about it. We began to talk about it. And then we emailed our elders and our prayer leaders, and immediately our elders and our prayer leaders began to email back and a text back and a call back and say, we feel like God's going to do something this Sunday as well. And I see some of you who are just saying amen who are hearing this for the first time. You know, I think back to February where I was at a pastor's gathering in Dallas and I had somebody uh, at a meal. We were sitting on the same table uh, and they, they prayed with me and for me and they, in that time of prayer, said, Drew, I, I, I sense that there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit at Bel Air Church. This was back in February. So we praise God for that. Now, I haven't shared that yet. Uh, you know, here I've shared that with our elders, and we praise God. We, we, we prayed about that. Uh, there's been people that have re reached out to my wife on Facebook who she hasn't seen in a long time saying 
And I get emotional about this because it's not just to me, it's through my wife as well, who's at home with my sick two-year-old watching this service, uh, saying that, uh, that, that our ministry is going to be marked by an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we have no idea what to do with this other than to pray. And uh, we, 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 we kind of gather in this moment, and on one hand, I didn't want to get up here and say what I just said. Because the temptation and the fear is, wow, this is a pretty public place, and it's online, and thousands of people watch our services every week around the globe. Uh, it'd be a lot easier in like a Bible study, you know, like in a session, in, in meeting with the elders or, you know, in a prayer group. And I just, because there was this confirmation from so many people, I felt like, okay, I've got to step out in obedience uh, and, and to share this. And Willis shared with me, he just, with his wife, got back from a conference. He shared with me this morning uh, this, this great word that I think is true for me first, and, and perhaps it resonates with you. And it's this. The, the first, I'm going to share two things. The first is this, that we've begun to tolerate what Christ came to terminate. And I've begun to tolerate sickness and disease in such a way that when historically I've prayed for people, I don't pray biblically. I pray in a comfortable sort of hoping that they would be encouraged and comforted by my prayers sort of way. And in my study this week, I haven't found one example in the New Testament where the believers or even Jesus prays so that people would just be encouraged or just be comforted. And so what I want to do is I want to do, if, if, if I can, uh, just a quick biblical survey before the sermon. It's going to be the shortest sermon you've ever heard from me, uh, and, and I believe that's the point of today. But let me just do this biblical survey, and some of you, uh, you know, you've got an ability to take notes. You've got a pencil. You've got a pen. Maybe you've got a phone. I, I simply want to go from uh, Scripture all the way up through the Hebrew Scriptures. Some of us refer to it as the Old Testament. It's the Hebrew Scriptures all the way up through the New Testament. Uh, and I just want to speak to, before I get to Acts chapter 3, why healing happened on that day, and second, why healing is going to happen today. So let me just do this quick biblical survey. Again, don't flip through Scripture. You'll, you'll get a paper cut. There's a lot of pages we're going to go through, but you can simply write these down. You can go and check afterwards. But Exodus 15.26, so this is in the Hebrew Scriptures, Exodus 15.26, God reveals one of God's names, and it's Jehovah Rapha. Can I hear you say Jehovah Rapha? It's, I am the Lord who heals. You've got to understand right from the get-go that God is revealing God's self, not as just that one who does healing, but who is healing. The nature of God is healing. In fact, it's one of God's names, Exodus 15, 26. Listen to this in Psalm 30, verses 2 and 3. The psalmist says, Lord my God, I cried out to you and you healed me. It's Psalm 30, verses 2 and 3. Psalm 103, verses 2 and 3. The psalmist says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. Jeremiah 30, 17 says this. This is the Lord speaking. For I will restore health to you and heal you 
of your wounds. Malachi 4.2, this is God speaking, uh, says this, but to you who fear my name, fear is to be filled with wonder and worship and awe. It is not a scared fear. It is a, an awesome respect for the grandness of who God is. To you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, which is a name for the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. In Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5, this is a prophecy about the coming Messiah who Jesus fulfilled all of those prophecies. Isaiah 53, 4 and 5 says this, Surely he, this is about the coming one, who is Jesus, has borne our griefs, he's carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he, this is ultimately Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. So the very nature of God, the very essence of who God is and the actions of God all throughout the Hebrew Scriptures demonstrate that God is a God who heals. All throughout, we see this sense that it is God's will that people would be made whole. The Hebrew word is shalom. That's the experience that the first humans had in God's presence in what we refer to as the Garden of Eden. They were whole in their relationship with God, with each other, with themselves, with creation. And what's so fascinating is that as you get into the New Testament, we begin to see these, these amazing things unfold. Perhaps one of the most famous scriptures, you know, in Scripture uh, is John 3.16. We see it at every football game. For God so loved the world that He didn't come to condemn it, but He came to save it. Now, the word save in the Greek is sozo. Can I hear you say sozo? Pastor Mike Morgan loves this word. In fact, I had forgotten about this Greek word uh, when I came on staff, and he preached a sermon on it, and I had forgotten that I learned way back then that this Greek word, save, has so much more meaning, more significance, more grander than how perhaps over the millennia we have narrowed it down to. It is so much more than a spiritual wholeness, a saving, a of coming alive in Christ, it also has to do with physical healing. It also has to do with emotional healing. It has to do with relational healing. It has to do with the healing of uh, socioeconomic systems. It actually has to do with the healing of the whole planet. So deep down, we long for these things. We long for healing. We long for relationships to be restored. We long for our self-hatred to be gone, for bitterness to be wiped away. We long for our planet to, to be healed. And John 3.16 says that God loved all of it so much that He sent His Son, Jesus, to sozo it, to make it whole, to make it complete, to restore it, to revive it, to save it. Now, what's so fascinating is that the first words of Jesus ever recorded in Scripture are when He was a young boy. He's in the temple. 
Apparently his parents have lost him. They try to find him. And he says, why were you looking for me? Do you not know that I have come to be in my father's house? Some translations say, I've come to be about my father's business. And it's important to understand that uh, the doctrine of the incarnation is that the fullness of God came in the person of Jesus. Uh, he's not 50-50 like half God and uh, half human. He doesn't like get rid of the godness while he walks on earth as his humanness. Somehow he is fully God and fully human. And we're about to hear some verses about Jesus healing wherever he went, which, by the way, are expressions, tangible realities of the kingdom of God that is now at hand. In fact, it's God's will that there would be no healing, there would be no death, there would be no disease. In fact, in Revelation, it says that one day in God's presence, there's going to be no sadness, no tears, no death. And so it's actually God's will, it's God's desire that there would be never the experience of the brokenness that we experience in our bodies, in our relationships, in our society, and around the planet. And so here we have this Jesus who, you know, as a kid and even growing up, and I, frankly, up until pretty recently, I always imagined that it was like the God part of Jesus that did all the healing. But I'm going to read some verses, and I'm going to end with Jesus' words about himself that actually reveal that it was actually the human Jesus of Nazareth, completely obedient to being used by God the Father, used by the Holy Spirit to do these miracles and to do these healings. So let me read some of these verses to you. And again, we're just kind of doing this biblical survey before the shortest sermon you've ever heard me give. Matthew 4, verses 23 and 24, again, maybe just jot these down, you can read them later. Uh, it says this, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame, Jesus' fame, went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments. And those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, he healed them. In Matthew 8, verses 5 through 8, it says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, local city, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. In Matthew 9, 21, there was a woman who was sick, and she came to Jesus, and she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But then Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. In Matthew 9, verse 35, keep writing these notes down, then Jesus went about all the cities and all the villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Matthew 15, 28, then Jesus answered and said to her, a woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. 
And her daughter was healed from that very hour. In Matthew 15, 30, then great multitudes came to him, came to Jesus, having with them the lame, the blind, the mute, the maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet, and he healed them. Matthew 21, verse 14, then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. There is not one instance in all of Scripture where Jesus ever prays for the comforting of somebody who's sick. Not once. There's not once where Jesus, when somebody comes to him who is sick, who is uh, diseased, who, who is demon-possessed, where Jesus ever says, God, if it's your will, would you heal this person? Not once. In every single instance, Jesus, in obedience to God the Father, knowing the Father's heart, knowing that it's contrary to God's desire and design for humanity to experience disease and possession, speaks the command of healing in the name of the one who sent him every single time. And it was simply just a natural overflow of the kingdom of God. And people marveled and came to follow Jesus and then began to understand the very nature of who God is. I want to show you this one verse. Now, I've read a whole bunch, but I want you to see this with your own eyes. In John chapter 14, perhaps grab that red book and the pews in front of you again. I'm not preaching yet. Again, it's going to be the shortest sermon you've ever heard. This is just a biblical survey. You're like, no, you're cheating. This is preaching, you know. Well, we'll get there in a moment. Uh, John 14, verses 8 through 14. John 14, 8 through 14. Maybe shout it out in the Red Pew Bible. 877. If you don't own a Bible, take that with you. We'd rather it be in your life, speaking truth and love and power than it's sitting here, empty in the pews. Uh, John 14, verse 8. Conversation between the follower of Jesus named Philip and Jesus. Philip said to him, saying to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? Now let's pause right here. Again, I've always thought it's like, the God part of Jesus, right, that did the miracles, that spoke. And right here, Jesus shatters my misunderstanding of how Jesus lived and led and healed and served when he says this. Second half of verse 10, the words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own. Let's pause right there. The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Right there, Jesus reveals to us this, this amazing truth that it is God's will to heal and to make whole individuals, relationships, society, the planet. And constantly, Jesus is withdrawing to pray. 
Why would he withdraw to pray if he was relying only on the God part of himself? Well, he's withdrawing to pray because he is fully human, like we are fully human. And he's withdrawing to pray because he is desperate to know the will of God the Father. He's desperate for the Holy Spirit to lead him, to guide him. In fact, there's verses that actually talk about the Holy Spirit filling Jesus with joy. There's verses that talk about the Holy Spirit leading Jesus. But there's more. Take a look at what it says after that. Verse 11. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, because if you do not, or but if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Verse 12, this is what I want you to hear. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me, so any of us that believe in Jesus, will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name, which is another way of saying if in accordance with my nature, if in accordance with my desires, if if in accordance with my will, you ask me for anything, I will do it. And then he promises the Holy Spirit, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. All right, biblical survey done. Let me give you the shortest sermon I've ever given. So why don't we go to Acts chapter 3. Again, I want to address just two things in verses 1 through 11, why there was healing back then and why there's going to be healing today. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 11. I believe it's on page 886 in your Red Pew Bible. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried in. People would lay him daily at the gate of the temple called the Beautiful Gate so that he could ask for alms from those entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for the alms. Peter looked intently at him as did John and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver, no gold, but what I have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Jumping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. All the people saw him walking and praising God, and they recognized him as the one who used to sit and ask for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. It's, my friends, the reading of God's Word. Wow. I want to show you one thing. I've already read over it. Take a look. At the second half of verse 8. So after it says, jumping up, he stood and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. I want you to know that right there, that is a tangible, visible expression of sozo. Remember I said it's not only physical healing, it's also emotional healing, it's also spiritual healing. The fact that this man can now get up and walk There was a physical healing that happened. 
the fact that he leapt. You only leap when you leap for joy. There's an emotional healing that has happened in this man's life. Imagine his entire life, the emotional brokenness, the emotional wreckedness, the emotional incompleteness of one who literally had to be carried every single day to hopefully get the scraps of people going by. In that moment, he's now so saved, he's so healed that he leaps for joy and he praises God. He's spiritually healed. He knows the one who has healed him, the one that has saved him, he is rejoicing. And the question that I, that I first want to ask and then, and then answer for us in this sermon is, why was there healing that day? And the simple answer is this, because the Holy Spirit wanted there to be healing that day, period, end of sentence. Nowhere do we get the sense that they're like, all right, we got to, you know, we got to like get this movement going, we need more disciples, we need more followers, you know, what can we do? You know, what, what could go viral? You know, Jesus did healing. What if we like, what if we did a healing? Yes! No! They are on their way. They encounter a man, and the Holy Spirit leads them in such a powerful way that they don't pray to comfort him. They don't say, God, if it's your will, it will heal him. They simply say, in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. The Holy Spirit used them as instruments of healing. You see, you've got to understand that if Jesus really is who he says he is, and Jesus is a healer, and if Jesus moves in power, and if Jesus says that I'm going to go to the right hand of the Father, and I'm not done, but I'm going to continue to do work through you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and if we really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and we take it at face value that he says that I'm not going to do this healing from off on the side, but actually the methodology of how I'm going to heal is through my church, through my followers, through my disciples, through the power of the Holy Spirit, then we shouldn't be surprised as we go throughout the book of Acts and we see healing after healing after healing after healing. And never do they go out and they say, oh, you know, God, would you, as I've often prayed, just pray to encourage? No, they, they command because they are sent as ambassadors for Christ. They are apostles for Christ. I didn't share this in the 9 o'clock, but the, the, the word apostle is actually borrowed from the Greco-Roman world. Uh, the word apostle as a title was one who literally would go into an area sent by the king to help establish the new kingdom that is now spread to that new area. And apostles outside of this in the, you know, the, the Roman Empire were sent by Caesar, were sent by those leaders so that they could establish the expansion of the Roman kingdom. And so this language is now used for the first followers of Jesus Christ. And literally wherever they go, they are called to be emissaries, they're called to be ambassadors, they're called to establish this kingdom, which is not an earthly kingdom, but it is a heavenly kingdom that has now come on earth as it is in heaven. And though there are no apostles today, we are all called to an apostolic ministry. Why do I say that? What's the Lord's Prayer? 
We, we, we prayed it earlier. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or holy be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Let's just pause right there. Thy kingdom come. This is the kingdom that knows no end. The kingdom where Jesus is on the throne. The kingdom where there is wholeness and there is beauty and there is forgiveness. There is no shame. There is nothing hidden. There is no bitterness. There is no unforgiveness. Where people are beloved, where they are accepted, where they are welcomed, where they are made whole. In that kingdom, there's no blindness. In that kingdom, there's no deafness. In that kingdom, there's no crippledness. In that kingdom, there's no scars other than the scars that Jesus bears on our behalf. In that kingdom, there's, there's no unforgiveness. In that kingdom, there's no bitterness. In that kingdom, there's no shame. In that kingdom, there's no regrets. And the apostolic ministry that we have called to as followers of Jesus Christ is that when we pray that that kingdom would come here on earth as it is in heaven, that that kingdom would break in here and now in your workplaces, in your apartments, while you're on vacation, in your neighborhood, in your relationships, in this church. In this church. So when we pray, we're not just praying this prayer, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. No, this is an apostolic, powerful, thy kingdom come here on earth, right here, right now. Quick question, you know, I do this all the time. I don't know, I've become the pastor that asks people to raise their hands. I don't know where this started, but I just, this thing. How many of you have ever seen or witnessed healing where you know God healed somebody? Can I just see a group of people? Put those hands up. Now, we don't talk about this in this church, and I, I doubt that we go around, you know, telling those stories, but put those hands back up again if you would. I mean, that's a big thing. How significant is that? How significant is that? Praise God. Praise God. Now, how many of you would you say that God has used you, and you look back and you're like, I don't know how that happened, uh, but I, I feel like God used me to, to give healing to somebody else. Can we just put that? I mean, that's, how significant is that? Praise God. Praise God. This is what God wants to do. This is what God wants to do, and I am repenting in front of you. I know that's a loaded word, a big word. It literally means to turn, and I'm going to turn away from this habit that I've gone into where I, I, I play it safe, and when I pray, I pray for encouragement. I, I pray for comfort. I say, God, you know, if it's your will, of course it's God's will, as God's now telling me in Scripture. And so I want to repent of that. And what Scripture says is that actually repentance is the beginning step for an incoming, an outbreaking of the kingdom of God. And so I, I hope that I can model that for you, and perhaps there's things in your life where you're like, no, God doesn't do that today. I believe that God wants you to repent of that today. And maybe some of you... You know, you've, you've listened to the enemy, which uh, the enemy of God is the accuser. 
And what the accuser says is, oh, the reason why those people aren't healed is because they don't have enough faith. How many of you have ever heard that before? That's the word of the accuser. That's not from God. That's not from the Holy Spirit. That's not from Jesus. That is the accuser. That's God's enemy. But it is God's will to heal people. And in God's presence, we are going to be healed far more than I can ever wrap my minds around. And God wants to, through us, give that healing to one another. And it's more than just physical healing. It's, it's also emotional healing. It's psychological healing. It's relational healing. It's spiritual healing. Now, here's the interesting thing. I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I literally have no idea what I'm doing. I literally, well, here, now here's what's interesting. <clears throat> and I'm like, why not? No, God, no. And then Willis Robertson, we talked yesterday, just got back from a conference, and this word for me was so healing for me because I was racked with fear, I was racked with doubt, the temptation to keep it all in, that I'm not enough, like all those stupid things, like it's all, like it's, it's not even about me, right? And so here's, here's a word, so here's how you were used by God to heal me, Willis. Oh, I love this. this I, I hope this is for you too. It's better to be a beginner at a new thing than to be an expert at an old thing. You might disagree, okay. You, you might, yes, you might disagree, but I, I think I've become an expert at preaching. You might disagree, and I know that's kind of a bold statement, but I spent a lot of time and a lot of energy, and you're like, no, you're still kind of a rookie at this, dude. You know, you know, like, whoa, you know, pride comes before the fall. Yes, I know. So I'm probably, I need to be humbled. But, but how I took that, here's how I received that. Look, I've been preaching a long time. I've been preaching as a youth pastor. I preach at camps. I preach at conferences. I preach at this church. And, you know, I'm, I'm growing in my ability. And so when, the, the point is that when I come up here, I feel tremendous confidence in how uh, God has, you know, gifted me in that way, but the work that I've put into it. And yet I am a complete beginner when preaching on this topic, when entering into a time of prayer where God perhaps wants to heal someone through us. It's better to be a beginner at a new thing than an expert and an old thing. Somebody else uh, sent me a passage of Scripture, and it was that passage from the Hebrew Scriptures, see, I am about to do a new thing in our midst. They didn't know that each other were affirming that. There's been thing after thing after thing after thing after thing of people just affirming what God is already doing in our midst. And so to be a beginner means that you might be awkward, right? Some of you are like, dude, you're doing it all wrong. I know, I'm a beginner at this, right? Like, I remember when I first started playing the guitar, it was uncomfortable, it hurt. Like, before I built up the calluses, when I first learned how to surf, so much salt water went up my nose. Like, right, I looked awful. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to step into this new thing that I believe God wants to do through us. And what's so fascinating is I've gotten this sense 
and I'm going to wrap up right now, I've gotten this sense that, that God wants to use us, that God wants to use you to be part of the healing work that he wants to do. This is not me getting up here like, Drew, you're going to get the gift of healing and people are going to come and you're going to heal people from up front if God chooses to do that. But that's not the sense that I've gotten is that God wants all of us to lean into this. This is not the imitation of the early church. This is the continuation of what the Holy Spirit does through God's church. And so the reason why people were healed back then is because the Holy Spirit wanted them healed, and truly, the reason why people are going to be healed today, and there's been so much confirmation. I don't know what it's going to look like, but because I believe, and it's been confirmed, the Holy Spirit wants to hear people today, to heal people in such a significant way. So some of you, you need emotional healing, and the Holy Spirit is brought to your mind right now in this moment. You know exactly what it is. The Holy Spirit wants to heal that in you today. Some of you have suicidal thoughts. God wants to set you free from that today, to give you a hope, to give you a future. Some of you have carried emotional trauma from your childhood. God wants to heal. I, I, I didn't write this. Like, I just I feel like God wants to heal that in you today. Some of you have physical ailments. Some of you can't hear. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to give you the ability to do so so that you can hear your name. I don't even know what that means, but I hope that you do. And so we're going to move through this service. And my prayer would be that you'd simply be open to what the Holy Spirit would do for you and through you. So let's pray. Jesus, I have no idea what I'm doing. And yet you invite us, as Scripture says, to be co-laborers with you. So there's a work that you want to do here in our lives, in our relationships, in this city, around the globe. And may it happen today in such a significant way that you would get all the glory. That we would be people that not only walk, but that we would leap and that we would praise you, God. So, Jesus, you want to do a work. May you do it through us, through the power of your spirit. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. And we say together, amen. amen.